from ABC7 New York, this is Eyewitness News Extra Time. And then there were two, with just hours to go before New Hampshire's first-in-the-nation presidential primary. The Republican race is now a head-to-head -head battle between former President Donald Trump and his former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who can now consolidate the anti-Trump vote. But will it be enough? Good evening. I'm Josh Einiger, and we begin with the race for the White House and a big shakeup ahead of tomorrow's critical primary in New Hampshire. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspended his bid for president over the weekend and endorsed his patron-turned-rival Donald Trump. Four years ago, the Democratic primary in New Hampshire was wide open with 20 candidates, but on the eve of this year's Republican primary, the GOP is down to just two. And Donald Trump is looking to deliver his former U.N. ambassador a knockout blow. Eyewitness News reporter Morgan Norwood is live in Manchester tonight, ahead of the first in the nation primary there. Morgan. Hey, Josh, it's good to be with you and everyone back home in New York City. Uh, with Ron DeSantis now out of this race, you know, all eyes turn to Nikki Haley, all eyes on her. Uh, her performance tomorrow will likely determine the future of not just her campaign, but could shape the stage for the general election. Look, we could see a general election matchup between former President Donald Trump and Joe Biden. With just one day to go until voters in New Hampshire head to the polls, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley crisscrossing the state in what is now a two-person showdown for the Republican presidential nomination. That's why I'm excited as tomorrow is the big day. The two-way state set after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suddenly suspended his 2024 campaign, setting aside his criticisms of Donald Trump. You could be the lousiest Republican in America, but if, but if you kiss the ring, he likes you. To back the former president instead. But Trump who says he's honored to have the endorsement in an interview on Fox News said he's not quite ready to consider DeSantis for his administration. You know, I have to be honest, is everything's a possibility, but I think it's highly unlikely. Nikki Haley has it all on the line here in New Hampshire. She spent 41 days in the Granite State compared to Trump's 15 as he split his time between the courtroom and the campaign trail. Even today in New York City, where he was expected to testify in E. Jean Carroll's defamation case, the trial postponed due to her juror's illness. Trump's team asking the judge to delay his testimony until Wednesday so that he can be in New Hampshire for the primary. When you hear Trump speak, what's he talking about? Grievances? The past? He's talking about vendettas? Today he's in court? Trump maintains an 11-point lead over Nikki Haley with 50% of support among likely Republican voters, according to a new CNN University of New Hampshire poll. Trump and Haley voters say these issues matter most. Um, right now I'm deathly afraid of immigration. This election, basically the economy and foreign affairs. So even as we talk about hours to go until uh, Tuesday, Josh, Nikki Haley is still projecting confidence. Look, she says even if Trump wins by the projected more than 11 points, she is still locked into this race. In fact, she says the goal was always to be stronger here in New Hampshire and will look to her home state of South Carolina to get ahead. Josh. Right. So already previewing that she's probably not going to win tomorrow. It, it's really striking how different things are versus 2020 when the Democrats were in the primary and there were nearly two dozen candidates on this night four years ago. Tomorrow, it's just two head to head. How has that impacted voter enthusiasm in New Hampshire? 
Yeah, you, you pointed out just how different it is. It, it feels different because it actually is different. So, uh, you know, agree with you there. Uh, we've already narrowed it down to two contenders, and we are weeks ahead of Super Tuesday. There, It seems like there's been blow after blow uh, to this run here. We didn't have a debate, so some voters feel like uh, perhaps they were robbed of the opportunity to really hear from candidates face-to-face. -face. Trump, of course, has split his time between the courtroom and the campaign trail. In fact, he was there today in, in New York City. DeSantis, of course, dropped out. So a lot of air has been sucked out of this primary. Even voters admit that the inner is off here. Some who are undecided now say that they're a little concerned and, and a bit unenthused. Remember, this was the target audience here. You know, 40% of the voters here in New Hampshire were undecided. So, you know, as the kids say, the vibe is off and it's certainly not the primary that the Granite State is used to. So what we're locked in into tonight is to see how this, you know, enthusiasm or lack thereof will, will translate into, uh, you know, voter turnout for tomorrow. So that's what we're keeping an eye on. Josh. And you are there for the long haul. Morgan Norwood, live in New Hampshire. It's great to see you back on Channel 7, and we will see you tomorrow night in New Hampshire. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, my friend. All right, you too. And a favorite saying in the Granite State, of course, when they like to diss their competitors in Iowa with their caucus, they say, Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks presidents. In just a few hours, voters will have their say in the Granite State. Trump is favored to win New Hampshire, but by how much could determine Nikki Haley's political future. Dr. Leslie Feldman is a professor of political science at Hofstra. Dr. Feldman, Professor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So Haley used to call Trump her boss. Now she's been on the attack against him really just since Iowa. She hasn't been that aggressive really before then. What are the stakes for her? So, I mean, in other words, how badly does she have to lose tomorrow to be out of the race altogether? I think she's out of the race tomorrow, uh, no matter what happens. Uh, if she can't, like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. If she can't make it in New Hampshire, she can't make it anywhere else. So I think she's not going to win New Hampshire tomorrow, and she's going to have to pull out of the race because she's not going to win South Carolina. She can't go to South Carolina. Uh, everyone there is lined up to support Trump. Well, and that, I, I imagine that would be a real blow to her because she's from South Carolina. So if she ha pulls a terrible showing there, then that would be horribly uh, uh, demoralizing for her few supporters that she has left, I imagine. I think she has to pull out after, if she loses, she's going to lose pretty big in, in New Hampshire. And I think after she loses in New Hampshire, she has no choice but to pull out of the race because she doesn't want to go and, and get clobbered in, in her home state of South Carolina. Mm. You know, from, from mo I wonder if things would have been different. For most of the campaign, Haley was pulling her punches against the former president. Really, only Chris Christie was aggressively attacking him. We know how things uh, went for him. I'm curious... She's obviously shifted her strategy since Iowa. If she had been speaking this way about Trump all along, would she be in a different position now? I don't think so. How well did Chris Christie do with that strategy? Right. It's Trump's party and it's Trump's nomination to lose, but I think he won't lose it. Uh, unless he gets st struck by lightning, I think the nomination is his. Well, so let's add, let's 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 not get struck by lightning and instead get convicted of a felony. What happens with the the four cases against him, the 90 some odd charges against him? He goes to trial. Let's say he becomes the nominee. He goes to trial uh, and he gets convicted of something. What then? I think he could still get the nomination. People have gotten the nomination from jail. Even uh, people who are deceased have won elections, so he can too. But I think he has to worry more about going to jail than about winning the nomination.
Well, I, I think you probably have a point there, but it raises some really interesting questions about what happens then. But uh, well, I guess we'll address that in a, in a little bit. I, I wanted to ask you about Ron DeSantis, though, who came in, you know, third place in Iowa, where he'd spent his basically entire primary experience. Uh, what calculations led him to, to conclude it was time to get out? He doesn't want to come in third place in New Hampshire, which he would have done. So he doesn't want to come in third place in New Hampshire because he wants to run for president in the future. So he pulls out before he hits third place and he throws his support to Donald Trump, which is not a lot of support because I don't think anyone was voting for DeSantis in New Hampshire. But still, it was he wanted to save face and he didn't want to come in third in, uh, in New Hampshire. And that's why he pulled out of the race and threw his support to Trump. OK, so so it looks like obviously we're facing and my last question, it looks like we're heading down in the path of a general election rematch right between Biden and Trump. It, these things, of course, as you know, are always a turnout game in key states. Uh, Biden, as of now, appears to have lost a lot of progressive support because of the Israel Gaza conflict. Where do you see that? as factoring in in a general election? Do people come home to him when they see what the alternative is? I mean, that's an interesting question because you you would think that uh, the incumbent president, President Joe Biden, is definitely going to be the nominee and Donald Trump is still up in the air, but I think it's the reverse. I think Donald Trump is definitely going to be the Republican nominee and I think Joe Biden is up in the air. Interesting. Anything can happen. I think at the last minute there could be the old switcheroo and someone else could become uh, the Democratic nominee. Well, that's an interesting conversation, perhaps for the next time we talk. Dr. Leslie Feldman, professor of political science at Hofstra. It'll be an interesting night tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And finally, things are thawing out. But maybe not as quickly as we'd like to see the, that happen. Lee Goldberg is in the Weather Center with more. Lee? All right, Josh. Yeah, I'm sort of dubbing it the flawed thaw just because the warm-up is upon us and we certainly don't have the severe chill, but there's still some fallout for all the cold we had. And as we try to warm things up, there are a lot of clouds. We probably don't see any consistent sunshine until Saturday, Friday at the earliest. Then there's periods of rain, city and coast, but there's some icing inland, and that window will take us until midday Wednesday. Empire and Classic White, the clouds have thickened. Our temperature right now is at 36 degrees out there. Average high... 39. So a little bit below that today. I think we're right on it tomorrow, maybe around 40. See the record high of 61? That actually is within reach 60 degrees is by Friday, believe it or not. We're working toward the full wolf moon on the 25th. And of course, the sunset tonight was at 5.01. So no sunsets before 5 o'clock until this coming fall. In a month, 5.38. And then daylight saving time is not too far after that, near 7 o'clock sunset by the 10th of March. The good news is we are getting milder this week. We'll finish the week with temperatures in the 50s, maybe even touching the 60 degree mark in spots on Friday. The problem is we have a lot of clouds. It's damp at times and we have some icing inland. The extended forecast, I like these, I like Friday afternoon and Saturday, but uh, the weekend's 50-50. I think we'll have a storm coming in as early as Saturday night into Sunday. This is an important map. For those of you watching from the northern suburbs, do not trust what may look like wet roadways in the morning. It's not a lot, but any precipitation may be in the form of some freezing drizzle, whether it's in Sussex or Western Passaic, Orange, Northern Rockland, Westchester, maybe Putnam and Dutchess, and of course Sullivan and into Pike County as well. And then there's another round of the icing that happens tomorrow night into Wednesday. Wednesday morning. So next couple commutes here north and west could be a little dicey. And you can see that in the future cast. I mean, it's not all that impressive in terms of its intensity, but all you need is a little patchy freezing drizzle. You see how these 
numbers are very marginal when it comes to how far from freezing we are. It's a little steadier during the midday. Uh, notice, by the way, from the city on south, we may not do much at all during the day. This is all sort of a, a northern experience. By afternoon, it's just snow well to the north. Our another round coming in tomorrow night of snow mix and rain. That'll go into Wednesday morning's commute. And once we get to Wednesday midday, this is a front over us. It lifts to the north and we get more of a southerly wind coming in and we all warm above freezing. So by Wednesday evening's commute, everything should just be wet roads and just rainfall. Uh, by the way, because of the hit of snow we could have again, both tomorrow and especially into early Wednesday morning, might be a coating to a couple inches northern Sullivan, Ulster and Dutchess counties, interior Connecticut as well. With 32 tonight, the clouds are thickening. It's not as cold, but a light icy mix late well north and west. Tomorrow, a bit of light rain around. This shouldn't be too much from the city on south, but the northern suburbs could get slippery. Then tomorrow night down to 35, cloudy and damp. Again, a little light rain at times late at night and ice and snow off to the north. Here's your seven day. So the winter weather advisory is out for Sullivan and Pike. That'll go into Wednesday morning. But I, I do think our northern, west, northern and western suburbs through midday Wednesday could have some slick spots. By Thursday, we actually get into a steadier period of rain. It's kind of a washout day, but look, we're at 51. Early rain Friday, clouds could try to break. If they do early enough, 57 would become 60. Saturday is a better day of the weekend. Still mild, partly sunny, but here comes another storm with rain and mix on Sunday. That'll lead to a cold shot one week from today. So enjoy these temperatures later in the week. That's the way it's shaping up, Josh. I like the sound of 60, but it's going to be quite a road to get there. Yes, no doubt. All right, Lee, thanks. And as okay. we continue with Eyewitness News Extra Time this Monday night, facing the music. More than two decades after the murder of Run DMC founder Jam Master J, two of his alleged killers are finally standing trial for murder. A murder trial, years in the making, is finally underway in Brooklyn Federal Court. Jury selection began today in the trial of two men accused in the murder of Run DMC founder Jam Master J. Ronald Washington and Carl Jordan are accused of gunning down the hip-hop artist in a Queens recording studio back in 2002. If convicted, each faces a minimum of 20 years in prison. Eyewitness News reporter Darla Miles has been closely following this case. She has the story from downtown Brooklyn. In August 2020, the then acting U.S. attorney from the Eastern District of New York answering the decades old question, arresting Carl Jordan Jr. and Ronald Washington in the murder of Jam Master Jay. We've charged this case uh, with respect to Mr. Jordan uh, as a uh, drug related uh, homicide and the use of a firearm in connection with that offense. Uh, and the same charges apply to Mr. Washington. Monday afternoon, a federal judge and prosecutor started sifting through a pool of 500 jurors for the four-week trial in the murder of the hip-hop icon. That status will be a big part of who attorneys believe will be totally impartial in the case. Potential jurors were asked, are you a fan of hip-hop music? Who do you admire? Have you listened to old-school hip-hop? Who do you least admire? What is your social media usage? Important to know, as details of the case have been all over social media, broadcast, digital, and print outlets. These are exclusive crime scene photos of Jam Master Jay's Queen Studio, where prosecutors say Jordan and Washington showed up with guns, ordering everyone on the floor. Jordan is accused of being the trigger man, upset that Mizell cut him out of a drug deal involving 10 kilos of cocaine. Today, potential jurors talking about what they know about Run DMC and the details surrounding the murder. A 21-year-old potential juror saying, I haven't actually heard of the group until two days ago. And another telling the judge, recording studios are not safe. Unfortunately, 
these kinds of things happen there and that it would be difficult for her to separate her opinion during deliberations. Jury selection is expected to last throughout the week. The trial is slated to begin next Monday. In downtown Brooklyn, Darla Miles, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. And we've been following this case, of course, since the murder in 2002. And recently, Darla Miles scored exclusive interviews with investigators, along with family and friends of Jam Master Jay. Set the record straight. The Jam Master Jay case is available right now, wherever you stream ABC7 New York. And still ahead tonight, a major crisis for the fire department. Lithium-ion batteries are sparking hundreds of fires across the city, some of them deadly. So how to stop the influx of dangerous, uninspected batteries? Seven on your side, investigators. The rise of e-bikes and scooters has been deadly for New Yorkers, and all because of the lithium-ion batteries that power them. They've caused more explosions and fatal fires than anywhere else. In response, the city has banned devices with uncertified batteries, but why are they still getting in? Seven on Your Side investigative reporter Dan Krauth has more on this growing crisis. They explode in a matter of seconds, giving people no warning and little chance to escape, despite repeated warnings from everyone from the fire commissioner. It's really like having a ticking time bomb in your house. To the fire marshal. People are just not following our tips. They are charging them by the front door. They're charging them unattended. The FDNY is responding to an e-battery fire almost every single day. More than 250 investigations over the last year and 18 deaths. That's triple the amount compared to the year before. They fail so violently and so fast, it won't give you a chance to get out if you're not prepared. The city passed a series of laws last summer preventing people from buying or selling uncertified batteries in the city limits. And the governor of New York wants to do the same thing statewide. UL certified batteries meet federal regulations and firefighters say they're safer to use. Even though that's, you know, laws have been passed that should stop that, we are still seeing them sold Every day in stores around the city, we're seeing them sold in these online websites. Um, we're seeing that the delivery workers are still using them. If you try to buy an uncertified battery on Amazon in New York City, you now get this message right here instead, not allowing it to be shipped to your location, but it can be shipped anywhere else. And we found the same battery for sale on other websites like eBay with no shipping restrictions, even though the company has its own policies against it. eBay told us all batteries and chargers are required to meet UL standards. They've removed 259,000 that aren't and said those that do not are prohibited and will be blocked or removed. We will be looking very hard at whether the products are properly certified. The city says no matter how many laws it passes, it's up to federal groups like the Consumer Product Safety Commission to do something nationwide. We also have pressed e-commerce platforms, Amazon, Walmart, Facebook Marketplace, eBay and the like to be vigilant. But the same federal group admits it's hard for consumers to tell the difference. I'm learning a lot about e-batteries and it's confusing for me. How does anyone know what's actually certified and what's not certified? And that is a concern. Uh, we recommend that uh, consumers buy the batteries from the manufacturer itself. And the group that's in charge of certifying batteries says you only want to buy batteries that have the UL mark on it. It looks like this. If you don't see that in the battery packaging or online listing, choose another one.
Dan Krauth, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. The growing danger of fire sparked by lithium ion batteries, that's just one of the critical topics that we'll tackle during our annual fire safety special, Operation 7 Save a Life. We hope you'll join Eyewitness News anchor Bill Ritter for this important presentation Saturday, February 10th at 7 p.m. right here on Channel 7. The MTA started a new pilot program today in Upper Manhattan intended to add more protections for subway riders. The agency installed platform barriers at the 191st Street station on the one line. It's the first of four stops to have barriers like this installed between the riders and the trains. They're on the edge right next to the yellow warning strip and they're placed strategically to avoid blocking subway doors when they open. I hope it keeps everybody safe. It's cool because it impedes somebody getting pushed over or falling. In just two years, between 2019 and 2021, the MTA says incidents on the tracks rose 20%, even while ridership was falling because of the pandemic. Slips, falls, and pushes made up about 10% of track incidents between January and April of last year. And as Eyewitness News Extra Time continues this Monday night, it could be a runaway hit. A Steers high-profile escape inspires a high school art exhibit. Cops in California have nabbed a really thirsty thief. Police accuse a Sacramento woman of stealing a shopping cart loaded with $2,500 worth of Stanley Tumblr insulated water bottles. Officials posted these pictures to Facebook showing her trunk and her passenger seat filled with 65 cups in total. While Stanley quenchers are all the rage, authorities wrote online, they strongly advise against turning to crime to fulfill your hydration habits. That was a direct quote. The 23-year-old woman is charged with grand theft. It was a daring escape. Last month, a 600-pound steer broke out of a Newark slaughterhouse and wound up on the New Jersey transit tracks. Not only did the animal become famous, it also inspired some high school art students in Maplewood. New Jersey reporter Tony Yates has the story. There's a bull running down the tracks. When Ricardo made his famous escape from a slaughterhouse in Newark back in December, Columbia High School's art teacher was inspired. Well, what happened was it started where I had a vision. I, was, I wanted to have something with the um, Spanish department. He commissioned some of his best students to combine what they're learning about Spain and his bullfighting tradition with Ricardo's escape, where the rule is if he gets away, he gets to live. So to focus on the bull and understanding as far as the whole aspect of bull, the bullfighting, the empathy was happening with the bull. After a month of work, this is the collection from Grayson's artist. I wanted to incorporate how like the cape is the only colored part of the drawing and you see how the bull is just blindly running into it almost as if the cape commands it what's, what to do. I wanted to capture like the animosity in the bulls when they're running but also how they are just innocent in the sense that they're put into the situation like they're not choosing to run. I personally think that tradition is something that we should respect but also can be altered over time facing the challenges we face today. The experience turned out to be quite thought-provoking for this group. That's why we have our now our hashtag empathy footable so to hopefully spur more conversation about it, you know, more awareness. The exhibit's premiere held this evening at the school, adding more voices to that conversation. In Maplewood, Tony Yates, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. And the bull spurs more conversation.
And that wraps up this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time. It's great to have you joining us on this Monday night. Thanks for joining us. I'm Josh Einiger. Just a few hours left until the first voting in the first of the nation primary. We'll have the latest from New Hampshire as Donald Trump and Nikki Haley stump for last minute votes. For now, that's Eyewitness News Extra Time. Have a great night.